0: I want to just praise the Lord for His goodness. Aren't you thankful that you can say, we get to live, get to? I don't have to, I get to live in America. I'm thankful that God allows us to be able to live in this great nation. Perfect? No. But nevertheless, we're thankful for it. And we enjoy this nation because we love freedom. I love freedom. Amen. I'm looking forward to tonight, and I appreciate the fact that tonight we'll have the opportunity to gather together and to be able to shoot some fireworks and remember. Amen. It may not be the same as years previous, and we may have to social distance a little bit, uh, but we're still going to have some hamburgers, and we're still going to have some fellowship, and we're still going to have some fireworks, and we're still going to have some preaching. Amen. And so we're going to have a great time tonight and it starts at 7.30 and this is uh, really the kickoff for our evening services as well as we're going forward again as we're trusting the Lord and we're saying, okay, we're going to start evening service, so we want you to come back and enjoy a great service tonight with us. Listen, we love the fact that God's given us a nation that has produced the ability for us to worship without fear. You know, I didn't have to worry this morning, "Is is a Gestapo going to come into the congregation and try to silence what we have to say? Matter of fact, we openly pro- uh, broadcast our service on the Internet for everyone and anyone to hear and to see and to be convicted and to be transformed by the Word of God. You know, I'm thankful for our nation. I, we are not perfect, amen? I, it's been revealed in the last few weeks, in the last few months, that we're not a perfect nation, but I still, regardless, am thankful that God lets me be an American. Freedom in our nation is a reflection of the re- freedom that happens when a life is given to Christ. Man, what an incredible difference Christ makes. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, the change that He brought in my life is unlike anything else we could ever describe or compare it to. In the book of Galatians, I want you to turn there in Galatians chapter 4 in your Bibles today. Because during Paul's first and second missionary journey, he took time to stop in Galatia. And in this region, he took time to be able to establish churches and share the gospel and and be able to to love on people there. And as he did so, a a new, brand new church came out of this area, and they loved Paul. They accepted him, and they said, man, we love this guy. He is a great guy. uh, He shared with us Jesus Christ. He shared with, with us the freedom of Jesus. But you see, the devil's never happy. When people receive Christ. And what happened was over time after Paul had left some Judaizers and some people who desired to bring in uh, some false doctrine began to come into the church. And as they came into the church there in Galatia, uh, they begin to say, listen, Paul's a heretic. He doesn't know what he's talking about. We know the real Word of God. And let me tell you what the Old Testament says. And you've got to listen, uh, abide by the Old Testament if you're going to really abide in Christ. And so they would teach them, listen, you've got to be circumcised the eighth day, just like the Old Testament says. And you've got to make sure you keep all 600 of these laws so that you can maintain uh, uh, the right foundation so that you can have freedom in Christ. Well, that's not at all the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus was not keep 613 plus laws so that you can earn your salvation. The message of Jesus Jesus was totally different. And that's what Galatian, uh, the book of Galatians was written so that Paul could say, listen, this is the gospel that was preached to you. This is the truth that you need to know today. It's not about works. It's about faith. It's not about your flesh. It's about trusting in the Lord and in Him alone. And so we see that Paul just tr- uh, trusted uh, just wrote to this church, and as he attempted to silence these false teachers, he also uh, designed to really to define once for all what Christianity is. And so Paul, he calls on his readers to make a difference between the law and the gospel. He wants them to make a difference between works and faith. The law had a curse for everyone who was under it. The gospel, Has a curse for everyone who had adulterated. So Paul writes Galatians. And so let's read Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. And you're going to find here that Paul uses an unusual tactic. He uses uh, the form of an allegory here. He says, Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one, bound by, one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the, uh, the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry that thou travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And so let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this reading of the Scripture. Thank you for the time we have together in just being able to celebrate the freedom of our nation, celebrate the freedom, the real freedom that Jesus Christ offers today to all mankind. And so as we look at the difference here, I pray that, God, it would be made plain in the hearts and lives of every individual, Lord, the, the difference in biblical, uh, in, in Bible religion versus the world's religions, Lord, is very plain, that of works or that of faith. And so let us come here today with humble hearts, Lord, and hear your message, hear the message that Paul preached to the Galatians, Lord, the message that still needs to be proclaimed today, for not by Uh, works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy, Lord, you saved us. And so just transform our hearts and lives today. As we tune in close, I pray that, Father, that you'd keep all of the elements that would desire to destroy and deceive and to to deride in the hearts and minds of, of listeners today. Keep them at bay so that we can hear from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look in Galatians chapter 4, Paul is defending the church. He desires to, to build up, to puff up, to say, listen, we've got to defend, we've got to put up these defenses in our, in our church, and, and you've got to have them in the doctrine and in the understanding of the Scriptures and in what is right versus what is wrong. And so as he preaches here and as he teaches through this, this uh, epistle, we see that God is, is also today using this same message for us that is still alive. Remember, the Word of God is Quick, that means alive, it's powerful, it's able to do what God's intention is. And we want to, want to let that do His w- will today. And so Paul in, then is still the message that we need today. Because Paul has been challenging this church in Galatia concerning Calvary and Sinai. He has been attempting warnings. He has attempted to, uh, threats and sarcasm and logic and appeal. And now he says, listen, let me show you with you the truth through an allegory. Let me share with you the tale of freedom through the eyes of the Old Testament, if you will. Remember, he's dealing with Judaizers. Judaizers were people who who claimed to accept the message of Jesus, but then they wanted to infuse it with all of the the Old Testament laws and requirements for salvation. And so no longer was it by faith. No longer was it a message, for uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. It was a message of if you do this, then you might be able to attain heaven. And so as Paul was writing here to the church in Galatia, he says, listen, let's, you people who listen to the law, this is what he says in verse 21, you tell me that you desire to be under the law? Well, let's go to the law and see what the law says. And so he points back to the law in verses number 22 through 23. Because listen, a failure to rightly divide the word of truth. A failure to discern God's dispensational dealings with, human, with the human race. A failure to apply sound hermeneutical principles to God's Word will make it impossible to understand God's Word. So let's get into what Paul shared with this church here. This tale of freedom was told through Abraham's sons. And so verse 22 and verse 23, he says, For it is written, Abraham had two sons. And if you go back to Genesis, we can see the bare bones of, of this tale. And we're going to be in a couple of places if you want to join me there in Genesis 16 and Genesis 21 in just a moment. But Paul uses this tale of, his two, of the two sons to, to delineate in this, this story about law and grace, the difference in the two, what, what's going on in these two areas. And so he's using Ishmael and Isaac. He's using Hagar and Sarah. And he's bringing this change here. Now you say, Pastor, I hear you talking about allegory, but I don't really know what that is. Listen, an allegory, an example of an allegory that we may become uh, more familiar with is the Pilgrim's Progress. In the Pilgrim's Progress, the the author, Pastor John Bunyan, he wrote uh, this beautiful tale of a man named Christian. And in Christian's life, we see the spiritual progress of every person who's trusted Christ as their Savior. There's sometimes a failure and times where God redeems. There's the time where Christian trusted the Lord as his Savior. And it's beautifully pictured throughout this this story, our Christian truth for us today. Well, Paul now is using the same thing, a word picture, to teach an important Bible lesson. And so in the book of Genesis, we learn what this lesson is. We learn the bare-bone facts. And so, if you go back to the book of Genesis, there's two people that we want to focus on first and foremost, and that's Ishmael and Isaac. Now, these were the sons of of Abraham. Now, if you will remember, Ishmael and Isaac had the same father but different mothers. When Ishmael was born, Abraham was 86 years old. (laughs) Anybody 86 in here today or thereabout? No one wants to confess. That was the first service. Now, when he had Isaac, he was 100 years old. Now, do I have any people want to volunteer to be a parent at 86? How about 100 years old? I don't want to be a parent at 50, amen? I don't want to be a parent at 40. I told my wife, I don't want any more children, but I want grandchildren so I can spool them and send them home. Isn't that how it works? Wrong crowd, sorry. That was the earlier service. (laughs) Reality is is that that Abraham... uh, he, uh, he and Sarah had been married for a long time, and they had tried to have a child. And God had come to Abraham and said, listen, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. As a matter of fact, you're not just going to have a child, but your generation. The Bible, says, the Bible says that God made a covenant with Abraham. And in this covenant, he said that your children are going to be as the sand as the seashore. Your t- children are going to be the, like the stars in the sky. They're going to be numberless. You won't be able to count them. There will be so many. And so this was the promise that God had made Abraham, but at 86 years old, you begin to wonder, Lord, do you know what you're talking about? Right? I mean, we go through times sometimes, and God says, I want you to walk by faith and not by sight, and we wonder, Lord, do you know what you're talking about? And God looked at, or Abraham looked at God, I can just picture him, because I'm just trying to put a little humanity in this Bible story here, and I can just see him and Sarah sitting after supper, and she said, well, I'm still not pregnant. He said, I gave up that dream a long time ago. She says, well, what about Hagar? You see, it was very common in this time, if you had a, a, a bond slave at this time, to give, uh, and if you were barren, to give your husband your bond slave so that you could have children by proxy through your bond slave. It was a very common, acceptable practice. It was not biblical. It was not God's plan. This was a worldly, it was a very fleshly motive. Uh, and so what happened was then that Sarah said, listen, why don't you just take Hagar? You can, she can conceive on my behalf and then we can adopt this child as our own. And so that's what they did. And so Ishmael was born from Abraham and, and uh, Hagar. And this, this sin, this, this choice to go outside of the will of God has continued to feel the effects today. Look at Genesis chapter 16. We pick up a little bit of the story here in verse 15. It says, And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. Ishmael was born because Sarah had lost faith. Did you hear that? Ishmael was born not because they were acting by faith, because they were acting by fear. How often it is that we make Foolish decisions when we act out of fear instead of faith. 2 Timothy 1.7, God says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of uh, faith and of love and of a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. And so God, that is not a spirit from God. Romans chapter 14 and verse 24, he says, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is, what does it say, church? Sin. When Ishmael was born, Abraham thought, this is it? This is the son I had wanted. And he said, I can imagine him even giving maybe a sacrifice and saying, Thank you, God, for this great blessing. I praise you, Lord, for this great, this great thing. Maybe offered a sacrifice and gave praise to God. And he said, This is my son. And for 13 years, he cherished Ishmael and said, This is my son. This is the one, the promised one. But it wasn't God's plan. God's plan is always Perfect. God's plan is always right. But sometimes we just want to get in the way of it. We want to just jump in there and say, well, God, what if? And so at 100 years old, ladies, Sarah was how old? 90. 90 90 years old. She had this son of her old age. 90 years old, God says, oh, let me just tell you what. It's not by your might. Not by your power, not by your ability, but by my strength, saith the Lord. You see, God said, I have to remove every possible human uh, ability, every possible possible way that humanity can can claim the victory in this situation. And so I'm going to wait till you're 90 years old and 100, and then I'll give you Isaac, the promised child. And Isaac was born into this family. Now, obviously, things were not perfect because anytime we sin, there is the, the repercussions of that sin. We can repent, we can ask for forgiveness, but there's still, there's still things that we have to, to deal with as a result. And so, Ishmael was still in that home, and Ishmael was still there, and he was still around. And I just remind you that that, that sin was still very visible in their home. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, we see where God gave them the child. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, And the Lord said unto Sarah as he had spoken, For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, and at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Listen, it was in God's timing. It wasn't in their own timing. And so when Abraham and Sarah believed God, they received the promised son. Faith is based on God's word. Faith is uh, is based upon God's integrity. He will keep His promises. Church, don't lose sight of that. We serve a God who says, I cannot lie. He didn't say He will not lie. He says, I cannot. It's impossible. It goes against my nature of who I am. And so here's the truth. We can trust God today. We can always trust Him. We never have to doubt. We never have to wonder. And so when God says, I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. We can trust that we can walk with him. Even when it feels we feel like his uh, his presence is so far away. And so this is the allegory then that that Paul shares with the Church in Galatia. And he says, Listen, this is what's going on. This is Ishmael and Isaac. This is the law versus grace. This is is the old way. This is what Jesus Christ has brought. Hagar, which was Sarah's bondwoman, represents the law, for she was held under bondage and required to do the works of her master. She had no choice in this matter. Sarah made up her mind, and Hagar had to have a child. Abraham acted in the flesh. And when he acted in the flesh, he produced Ishmael. And so we see that though with the birth of Isaac, everything was different. But may I say this, anyone can produce an Ishmael. Now, I don't mean that anyone at 86 can have a child. But what I mean is anybody can act in the flesh and go outside of the will of God. And so God calls the church and He's saying, listen, here's the difference. Are you going to trust in your own works in your own merits, and your own ability, or are you going to trust Jesus and Him alone? And so in verse 24, we pick up, it says, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. And so Paul says, listen, the Old Testament talks, you, you Judaizers, you want to talk about being under the law, you want to talk about the Old Testament. Here's what the Old Testament says: is that if you want to cling to Mount Sinai, then you're under bondage. If you want to cling to the, to the law and trying to earn your way to heaven, then you're under bondage. And listen, this is what the scripture says in chapter, James chapter 2 and verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, okay? So if you want to be under the law, this is what you got to do. And yet offend in one point. He is guilty of some of it. Is that what it said? What does it say? Guilty of all. Paul says this. He says, if you're going to pretend to to live under the law, and if you offend in one point, then you're guilty of it all. Galatians 3.10, he mentions this earlier in the book, and he says, For as many as are are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So here's the truth. God offers uh, salvation. God offers freedom through His precious Son. Verses 26 and 27 but Jerusalem, which is from above. He's talking about the new Jerusalem. He's talking about the, that yet to come. He says, listen, the one that Jesus Christ pours out, he says there's a difference. The old Jerusalem with all its contraptions and with all of its, its law and all of the bondage, he said those things Jesus Christ has done away. And now he says, let me point to you, let me sketch out for you what God has really done because the old, uh, the old and the first covenant can be summarized in one word, enslavement. But when Paul looks to the final covenant, he sees that this can be suffer- summarized in one word, and that's emancipation. Man, I'm grateful that Jesus is the great and the glorious emancipator. This morning, uh, or yesterday, we were, or Friday, I don't remember what day it was, we were, we were working through services for today and trying to make them especially special as we think about the cost of freedom today. And as we worked through all of that, Greg and I did, and he had picked another song. I said, you know, burden on my heart is the, the glorious freedom. And I know we just sang that a couple weeks ago, but I said it's still a burden on my heart. And so we and I love the chorus where it says, "Jesus, the glorious emancipator." What a glorious thing that God has done for us! It doesn't matter where you're at in life, it doesn't matter who you are or, or where you come from, because this is what the beautiful thing is that the, that God has offered today is freedom through Jesus and Jesus alone. Because when we accept Christ, we are delivered from the power of darkness and are translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. The earthly Jerusalem He re- uh, was rejected and, and, and Christ was crucified. But in Mount Zion, all of the redeemed ultimately will come into the full blessings that Christ intends for us. And so we draw our strength, we draw our power, we draw our joy from this thought that we're looking forward to being with the Lord. That's what he's talking about. Just as Paul called on the Galatians to decide here, what will you decide? Will you decide to trust in the law? Will you try, trust, uh, decide to trust in your own merits, and your own ability? Or will you say, you know what, God, I'm going to leave those things behind and I'm going to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone? Because really, if you took all the world's religions and you boiled them down, you would find that there's two religions in this world. Just two. They say... Pastor, you might be oversimplifying that, and probably I am. But if you boil it all down to it, this is what it ends up with. Religion that tells you you have to earn your way. Religion that tells you you must do something. Or there's Jesus that says it is finished. It's been accomplished on the cross. That's the two dif- the differences. And ultimately, these Judaizers, and though we don't have Judaizers in the church necessarily with it, labeled as such, there are still people who come in as wolves in sheep's clothing that desire to draw people away and say, you know what uh, What I learned this week from some, uh, some guy in his basement writing on a blog? Let me tell you, there's still those that desire to draw you away from the Lord. And God is calling on you right now. Will you decide? There is... Total freedom in Jesus Christ. How was Isaac born? By faith. How are you born again? By faith. How was Isaac formed in Sarah's womb? By faith. How was Christ formed in our hearts? By faith. I want to point you to this man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious teacher. He was a very spiritual man. He, he, uh, he really loved, thought he was doing right. He really loved the Lord. And, but he was, because of, of his sensitivity to God, because of his desire to honor the Lord, I believe firmly that he was sensitive to the God's leadership in his life. And so as a result, Nicodemus, when he came uh, to Jesus one night, he sought truth. Truth. Not, what are, what are everyone else saying? Lord, I just want to know what truth is. And he wanted to know, how can I possibly go to heaven? And Jesus said this, you must be born again. You see, because real freedom, the totality of freedom is experienced through a new birth. Only through Christ can you experience this. And so God offers you today real freedom, and it's only through Jesus 1 John 3, 1 and 2. And I love what John says here in this this epistle. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Think about that for a second. Did you know you? I know me, and I don't deserve that title. I don't deserve to be called a son of God. I don't deserve to be in, uh, brought into his family. But this is what Christ says, is, is that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, you are called the child of God. What a glorious thing for you. And God offers it to you through Christ. And that's what Nicodemus wanted. Isaac represents that to us today. In in. In uh, Abraham and Sarah, entrusting the Lord with Isaac, they recognized that that Isaac represented that that glorious promise of God. And here's the truth today: for by grace are you saved through what is it? Faith. 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 And God says that Isaac is that picture of faith. When they put their trust in the Lord, the God gave them Isaac. When they put their trust in flesh, God gave them Ishmael. You see, there was a difference, and there's there's still a difference today because, because uh, as as excuse me, Galatians chapter uh, four reminds us that there is still uh, Ishmael still is is causing problems with Isaac today. Now, not them physically, but their descendants. And we see those Arab nations that desire the destruction of Israel come from the lineage of Ishmael. And they will tell you, we are the rightful heir of Abraham because we were the firstborn. But what happened to Israel? What happened uh, at, at the end of this fleshly activity and this worldly policy? Did Ishmael become the heir? And the emphatic answer is no. Listen, God does not bless the flesh. Ishmael prospered, but only in the carnal, only in the material, only in the worldly things. He didn't prosper in what really mattered. We could imagine, though, as a 13-year-old boy, could you imagine? Well, My son's 13. My son's 13. We. Have, I, I love this kid. Anybody else 13? All right. Bodhi? All right, good. So, could you imagine being 13 years old? And, and parents, if you're the parent of a 13-year-old, you already know that they're going through a, a wonderful time of experiencing some blessings in their life. And as they go through this crazy blessings, imagine this all of a sudden being dad's favorite to dad's outcast. That quick. With the birth of a child, and so obviously Ishmael was angry. He was vindictive, and and when and when they had a celebration for Isaac when he was weaned from his mother, we, we see that Ishmael was in the background scoffing and mocking because what what uh, what we don't uh, what excuse me what Sarah doesn't say is that listen if we don't stop it now it's going to continue it's going to get worse and he'll kill him. And so, uh, at this point, we see that, that Sarah demanded that, uh, that Hagar and her son Ishmael be cast out. We see this in Genesis chapter 21 and verse number 9. Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking and so she, she said, listen, he's got to be cast out. And so we see this. We see that, that when we put our faith in Jesus, when we live for the Lord, that there's going to be times of mocking. There's going to be times of ridicule. There's going to be those enemies of the gospel. And we must continue to be faithful, trusting the Lord along the way. God calls us here in these days. God calls us, church, to remain faithful to truth. Verses 30 and 31, he brings it to a conclusion. But I love this, what he says there at the end. So then, brethren, we are not the children of the bondwoman. You're not the children of the law. You're not the children of those that would keep you bound and captive. But instead, you are children of the free. You are no longer bound, but now you are free. And so God calls us to stay faithful to this truth, stay faithful to the reality that you are a child of God. And God has called us to continue to remain even in these last days. God will have no compromise with the flesh. One, uh, one must deal with it severely, just as Sarah and Abraham dealt with Ishmael. I want you to. I am going to fast forward a little, Brian. Romans chapter eight, verses fifteen through eighteen. If you'll join me there, in our Bibles, we see where God was reminding us and teaching us some powerful truths about who we are and where we belong in Him. And He says in these verses. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. One of the most intimate, most sweet names we could call our Heavenly Father. In verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You're God's child. But here's the truth. Because you're God's child, Satan hates you. He's going to attack. He's going to persecute. He's going to try to deceive and destroy and belittle. Because remember, Jesus said there's a difference in, in Satan. He said, the thief cometh but for, for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come... This is my, my desire that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Luke 19.10 reminds us that Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. He brings us life today. And I offer you this one last scripture as we consider that. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. In verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Here's the truth today, that, that the law cannot save you. You cannot be saved by following a set of rules. You cannot be saved by being baptized in a baptistry, no matter where it's located. You cannot be saved uh, by, by trying to do good works and, and trying to balance act, do a balance act where my good outweighs my bad. This is not what salvation is about. You see, and that's what that Paul was saying here in Galatians. Listen, freedom is not found in a balancing act. Freedom is not found in your works of baptism. Freedom is not found in a church uh, membership. Freedom is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. See, that's what Jesus came for. That's the message of freedom that not just our churches need to hear today, but our entire nation needs today. Our nation needs to know that the glorious emancipation proclamation from the cross was, It is finished! That's the Emancipation Proclamation today. That's the one that God cries out and He says, listen, when you come to Jesus, Jesus and Jesus alone, you can and will be gloriously saved. And all of the, the bondage and all of the baggage and all of those things roll away and we have this freedom in Christ that nothing can explain, that no matter circumstances or no matter situations, that God says that we can be, truly be free today. Would you bow your head with me?